ERU health-related programming comes from the Penobscot Bay Press, committed to providing community news and information, publishing three weekly newspapers, the Weekly Packet, Island Advantages, the Casting Patriot, the annual Bay Community Register, the Summer Seasonal Guide, and more. Also on the web at www.penobscotbaypress.com. And the time is one minute past 10 o'clock. This is Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill and 102.9 in Bangor. Stay tuned for Healthy Options with your host, Cynthia Swan. Hi, I'm Cynthia Swan. Welcome to Healthy Options. My guest today is Coach Nancy Lubin. Nancy Lubin was first certified in Maine. She was actually the first certified coach in Maine, and she's been coaching since 1996, life coaching that is. She's certified by the International Coach Federation, also by the Coaches Training Institute, and also by the Institute for the Advancement of ADHD Coaching. She's also trained by Ned Hallowell, who wrote Driven to Distraction, and also the Newfield Network in Ontological Coaching. She's co-authored with certified coach Louise Frank Sear of UMO of Dynamic Edge, a coach training for managers and supervisors who want to create more productive and dynamic relationships, not only at work, but in their day-to-day lives. She has spent 30 years participating in the human potential movement and looking at all the ways that individuals can grow themselves and contribute to the world. She's also made her living as an artist, a cook, a design consultant, and a mom. Nancy also holds an annual New Year event and is also the organizer and inventor of LEAP, Let Everything Appear Possible, and that is a group coaching incentive. Welcome, Nancy. Thanks, Cindy. It's great to be here. Well, let's just get right into it. What, what is a life coach? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually read you the definition of coaching that is on the front page of the International Coach Federation website because that is the national professional organization for coaches. So what they say is coaching is partnering with clients in a thought-provoking and creative process that inspires them to maximize their personal and professional potential. Professional coaches provide an ongoing partnership designed to help clients produce fulfilling results in their personal and professional lives. Coaches help people improve their performances and enhance the quality of their lives. Coaches are trained to listen, to observe, and to customize their approach to individual client needs. They seek to elicit solutions and strategies from the client. They believe the client is naturally creative and resourceful. The coach's job is to provide support to enhance the skills, resources, and creativity that the client already has. So that's the long definition from the coaches um, from the International Coach Federation, and I often say there are as many definitions of coaching as there are people who have a coach or a coaching experience. But the short version I use is: coaching is a partnership that encourages you to create the life you want from the ground of the life you have. Coaching is about choice and possibility. Okay, and there's many possibilities. Um, well, ha- with that in mind, when would one actually enlist the aid of a life coach? And in addition, how would you, uh, or how is uh, life coaching a healthy option? 
Well, I think life coaching is a healthy option because we all need partnership. And sometimes we've done some therapy and the therapy's been good for us. And then we kind of lose that supportive partnership. Or we, um, we have best friends or spouses or work mentors, but we don't have someone who's kind of right behind us, supporting us objectively with our goals in mind, not their agenda in mind. So you might hire a coach to make a change, to undertake a big new project, to discover a direction or set out in a new direction that you've just decided upon. I was um, listening to Elizabeth Gilbert, who's the author of Eat, Pray, Love, the other night. She spoke at Merrill Auditorium. And she said, I don't need a life coach. I already have all the goals I need for a lifetime. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe a life coach would help you know when to say yes and when to say no to all the things that you want to do and how to get some quiet in what appears to be a very busy life for her. Yeah. So life coaching, so the purpose, and that, that's a good point, um, and I just want to like kind of piggyback on that. Most people that I know are almost overstretched with their plate is so full and they have so much going. So you're saying life coaching gives you an opportunity to, to what, to, to create that, create some sort of balance? Well, yeah, I think a lot of, there are a lot of people who've written a lot of books about life balance, and I think sometimes it feels just like a fantasy life balance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do think that what we're looking for is a way to prioritize and take ourselves into consideration. I think the real healthy option is when we remember to put our oxygen mask on first. Right, right. That, that drill, That's yes. the healthy option is when we take care of ourselves, make sure that we're getting the food, the sleep, the quiet, the reflection time. Some people choose to meditate, but then when we're getting what we need so that we can nurture others, whatever that means, whether we're male or female and whether we're working out in the workplace or at home, we're all very busy. There's a, there are a lot of demands. So that's the healthy option is to remember to take care of ourselves. And uh, I think coaching can really help people know when to say yes and when to say no. And I, I remember, I'm going to just kind of bring this up, I remember um, a talk that you gave at Quarry Hill years oh, back right. now, <laughs> right. remember, with uh, yeah. Carol, and, um, and you were talking about that um, very thing about when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Right. And you were really trying to hit that home to people, if I'm recalling all this correctly, right. that it, it really is about that. Well, we think that we're supposed to say yes. Every time someone says some, you know, asks us to do something, we think we're supposed to say yes. And so one of the things I suggest is that people say, I'll get back to you. Mm -hmm. And then you sit down and you assess. If I say yes to this request, what will I be saying no to? Or how might I say yes to this request? My favorite example is one years and years and years ago when I was asked to do some volunteer work for the uh, girls' conference, the mainly girls' conference. Mm -hmm. And when I said yes, what I said was, I can't come to meetings. I had a child at home at the time, and I was traveling a lot. I didn't want to be away any more than I was. But I, I said what I could do is any project that you can give me to do within a certain specified time at my desk. So they handed me a huge pile of addresses. You know, it's just kind of before we all could spit it out of our computers. And they uh, gave me a pile of things to address, and I addressed them. So that 
that worked really well. I was able to do some volunteer work I wanted to do, mm -hmm. and I was able to boundary my participation in a way that worked for me. So life coaching helps people make those establish choices. those make those choices and establish those boundaries should they desire that then absolutely absolutely and here's just a little tip for people you can take a piece of paper make a vertical line on that piece of paper and write yes on one side and no on the other and although i do this in terms of values and what values am i saying yes and no to when i say yes to x and no to y I think you can just do that for anything. When I say yes to being on this committee, what am I saying no to? I think you can also say when I say no to this, what am I saying yes to? I mean, if you have a huge value or a huge desire to do some community service, you can say, well, when I say no to seven nights a week of home-cooked meals, mm -hmm. then I'm saying yes to some value that I have for doing some community service, and I'm willing to give up two nights of home-cooked meals for something that's faster and easier. That's okay. There's no, nothing right or wrong with the yeses and the noes. There's no pro, it's not pros and cons. It's yeses and I noes. See. So it's really looking at the individual's value system. Absolutely. And that's going to differ from person to person. Completely. Comple well, I say completely. But yes, everybody has a different set of priorities inside their value, value and set. Well, I want to piggyback on that. What if somebody doesn't know? what their value system is or what, I mean, I know that might, I mean, I, I could see that potentially being some of it if you're like um, going all the time, a hundred miles an hour. So coaching can help to kind help of tease that, that out. out. Absolutely. I mean, we spend a lot of time at the beginning of a coaching relationship, clarifying personal values. We all have them. We all operate from them. We're not always conscious of them. There's nothing in any of our schooling and certainly not much unless we're have a very, sometimes if you have a very strong religious background, some of those values are a little more clearly etched for you. But for the most part, we just kind of live on unconscious values, most of which luckily for most of us are pretty good. And <laughs> but can, we can get confused because they're not necessarily prioritized. Ah, okay. So there's the distinction. Um, are there different types of coaching? Well, there are. I mean, a lot of people have specialties. I have a, a specialty in coaching adults with ADD. Um, some people are only executive coaches. Some people are only business coaches. I think that when the minute you get into the specialties, you can uh, get a little confused about whether you're really consulting or coaching. Mm -hmm. And I won't take a lot of time with that. Now, there are health coaches, for example, mm -hmm. and fitness coaches. I mean, you right. can, you know, then you're at the edge of what I think of as consulting, because that's where you're bringing a very strong expertise it, to, the, to, the, to table. the table. And you're not doing what I'm doing, which, I, which kind of generic life coaching, where I feel like I'm up in what I call a meta view, where I'm asking questions and making inquiries that will help you bring what you need to know to the table. Mm -hmm. So my expertise is really an in inquiry rather than in a field, other than in ADD, where I'm always wearing both hats. I'm, I, I am helping someone learn about their ADD, so I am Attention teaching, deficit. Right. I am teaching or helping people learn about their brains and how they work and how they can make that use of that in their lives rather than have that be a problem if their ADD has been something that they've been coping with rather than utilizing well. Nancy, what made you decide you wanted to focus on that, on ADD? Well, actually, that's where I started. Ah, okay. My first training was with Ned Hallowell, who wrote the book Driven to Distraction. And as my ADD clients got better mm -hmm. or found that they were coping less and living 
well more. Then the next question was, well, now what do I do in my life? So at that point, I got some more training in life coaching as a generic rather than specific to having um, a brain that does itself differently than the, uh, than other brains. Exactly, yeah. We've, we've, I've done shows on um, ADHD, and it, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a different kind of wiring. It is. And um, one of my guests was talking about the creativity that um, people... Run, run rampant. Yeah. Run rampant. But amazing creativity. Um, what makes coaching then different from talk therapy? Well, I make sure that my clients either have a therapist or have done some therapy if that's where the issues are coming from. So I see therapy as healing issues from the past and helping people get good coping skills for the present and the future. I, um, I don't pretend to be a therapist and I don't do counseling in that way. Mm-hmm. Coaching can be therapeutic if when one is coaching, they are moving those insights from, from therapy or therapeutic moments into action. They're creating a plan. They're building in some accountability. Not every therapist wants to be that detailed with their therapy clients. And often a therapist will say, I think what you need is a life coach to make sure that you're doing the things you say you need to do. Okay. So I think that coaching can be therapeutic because sometimes when we actually keep our agreements with ourselves, it's very healing. Powerful, yeah. But it's not healing the past. Coaching is really about taking what's going on in the present and working toward a future that you want. So it's uh, present and futuristic in its scope. Absolutely. And, I, and at least I think, of, I think that good therapy often takes that into consideration. It may be having to go backwards mm-hmm. into someone's life and life history and story to make sure that they're acting from some ground of healthy psychology. Mm-hmm. All right. And... Um, so you've kind of alluded to this already, but I wanted you to kind of, you know, explore this a little more. Um, can co- coaching actually help you identify several of your heart's desires, and how does it do that? Well, that, that probably is a couple of hours of conversation. <laughs> but I think that people do know, some people really do know what they want, and they're just a little afraid to make the statement. And... So coaching often will give people permission to just live who they are. I mean, that's the first thing is that sometimes it's just permission. Mm-hmm. And because they do so much values clarification, it, it helps people see how unconscious values are actually driving some of the things that they really want. And then they get to say, okay, well, if that's what I want, how will I make that work in the life that I have? So rather than just going, oh, I can, oh, boy, I just want to go do this. Sometimes you can't just stop everything you're doing. You can't stop being a mom or a, a parent or working at a job or whatever, but you can say, this is what I want. And then you get to strategize and start to look for the resources that allow you to make some change. So it's, um, it, so it's not just about short-term goal-making. It can be like long-term goal-making, like something that you uh, want to, you aspire to that could take several years to get oh, there. absolutely. And I think... I get I get nervous around the word goals. Yeah, <laughs> I think because people get really scared. It's like I don't I don't like setting goals. I don't want to set a goal. So I tend to think of it as what's really important to you over the course of your lifetime. One of the questions in the early interview that I set out for my clients is 
what things have to have happened to have for you to look back and say, I've lived a great life? Mm. You know, what if you made your decisions in that context rather than rather than hard goals, like I want to have earned this much money or I want this kind of car or I want this. I mean, I think it's really good to have material, clear, measurable goals. In business, they have something called SMART goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that acronym, I don't know if I could pull it right out right now, but it, um, but measurable, M, the M in the SMART is measurable, attainable, realistic, um, and I those are the those are the three in the middle. I can't remember the S and the T, but I think that basically what we're looking at is you need to have a way to measure what you're doing if you're setting a goal. Mm-hmm. But if you're setting your goal without thinking about what it will get you in the long run, it just feels kind of empty to me. And I think that's what happened. People set goals, they get there, and they go, uh, "Now what?" Well, you can. I, I can see where. Um you know, sometimes you're in a certain mindset or society or culturally, you set a certain goal. Like, you know, by sometimes people say, well, by this age, I wanted to earn this amount. Or by this age, I want to have this car. I want to have this house. And sometimes I can see where that could be in conflict with your values. Not necessarily, you know what I mean? But where a value might be. Yeah, I think it could be in conflict with your values, but probably if if you're just going after those goals and you're... You know, you're a, a parent who's, I mean, I, I guess I kind of lean into this parenting question because I know it came up a lot in my own life. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to earn this money, how much time am I going to have to parent? How much, you know, if I'm going to be gone three, four days a week traveling to earn, to earn this living, how many hockey games am I going to miss? And for me, that was important. For some parents, it's not that important. I don't think everybody should parent the way I parented, but I had to know for myself what meant good parenting to me. For my child. Mm-hmm. Some kids need different things. Right. You know, right. everybody needs something different, so you can't say this is the right way to do anything, but values always have value conflicts, and we need to figure out where the, you know, where the priorities are in any given moment. And um, in your um, view, do values change, or are they constant? And do no. prior- and priorities, of course, do change, but would you say values are constant, or that they're, they're changeable? I think that Generically, values are constant, and the expression of them changes. Give me an example of that. Well, the one I use is myself. Before I had a kid at 40, I was a nurturer. How I nurtured before I was 40 is, was different than how I nurtured when I, when I had a child. And now my kid's off in college, and I nurture differently now. Than, I nurture her differently, and I also nurture others. So am I nurturing? I've been nurturing all my life. But how I nurture changes. That I'm a nurturer has not changed. That's part of who you are, part of who I am, or at least to the best of my ability. I mean, that's my, I mean, get into the deep questions of identity and whether yeah. that's who I am and whether that's set in stone. But in general, I would say that our values are something that drive us for the most part. Now, I was raised in the 50s. We all... It, I say we all, to this particular audience, I think we could say that we all have a value, an ecological value, mm-hmm. that is a relatively new value to us at the level of articulation. It's an ancient value if we go back to the Native Americans and their seventh generation idea. But did we have that value in the 50s? Were we aware of that value in the 50s? Well, we were pretty consumer-driven at that point. Mm-hmm. So 
even though it comes from an angel of the base. Okay. Is that helpful with everybody's question? Yeah, yeah. Just processing it all about sitting here. Um, I, I, how do you prepare for a coaching session? Say, say one decides they want to go and, and enlist the aid of a life coach. How do they prepare? What, what's part of what uh, they, you know, an individual would need to do? Well, when people come to me initially, we do a, a two to three hour upfront long uh, get to know you session so that I can start out and you know, we get some values clarified and I ask a lot of questions and I have a little pie chart that we can talk about later at the time. Um, they help people get clear about what they want to do inside the coaching relationship. And then on top of that, in the individual session, they have been given uh, several sets of questions that they answer ahead of time. So I get an email with, it, with what I call a check-in. Okay. So when you, let's say you were my client, you would have answered this either last night or maybe the day before, depending on your time frame. And I read it, and then I know what's happening in the week. You've got a chance to reflect on your week. Mm -hmm. You're kind of caught up with yourself, and I'm a little caught up with you. And that's the first half of a lot of sessions for a lot of people. Okay. So you don't even have to do it. I mean, that's already done. And so we're already knowing. What are we going to do when we hit this session? Now, let's say you filled it out yesterday. Something happened last night that you really want to talk about. Obviously, we will talk about what's up front for you. Mm -hmm. But it will still be in the context of this is what I accomplished, this is what I didn't accomplish. You know, this is what I need to think about, this is where I want to go, whatever you've answered. Okay. So that there's preparation. That's really important. Well, um, and, and Nancy, what tool do you use in your practice that you um, could share with people? You started talking about the pie chart and achieving their goal. What, or maybe it's a different kind of tool. What, what, what tool might you want to share with everybody that on the air that listeners could maybe, you know, kind of hit the floor uh, running with it today? if they wanted to. Well, um, we can try to make a quick one at this if you can grab a piece of paper and make a circle and split your circle into pie wedges of 12. Um, I can give you the categories that these pie wedges represent and then you can fill it out. So I'll tell you how it works. So this is your pretty quickly. Okay, this but this is your little quick inventory. This is this is a just a quick just a quick one on how to think about these areas of your life and where they are now and where you might like them to go. So this is their wheel. This is the wheel. So you've now got a pie chart with twelve segments and we're gonna assume they're equal segments and we're gonna just these are the categories. Career and if you're in school that could be career slash school. Health. Personal development appearance, significant other romance, home, which either means your geographic location or the house you live in, depending on how you interpret it, family, and again, you might want to make the distinction between whether you mean your nuclear family or the, your family of origin, spiritual development, fun, money, friends, and service. And some people are already doing a lot of community service in the course of their work, so that may be a not applicable um, mm -hmm. segment of this pie chart. But now, assuming that the, that the center is zero and the outside edge is 10, 
what you want to do is make an arc across any given segment at approximately the score that you would give it, zero being the least satisfied and 10 being the most satisfied with those areas of your life. So let's say um, you, have, you feel like you have some really good friends and you would like to see them more, but you feel pretty good about your friendships and the way you maintain them. Maybe you'd make that a six, and you might put your little line across that pie wedge somewhere above the halfway mark. Mm -hmm. And as your coach, I might say, so what does this six represent? And you'd say, well, I have some really good friends. I feel like I'm pretty in touch with them. But, you know, I'd like to have them over for dinner more, or I'd like to be doing more correspondence with them or whatever. So you might say in the course of this coaching relationship that you'd like to take your friends uh, segment of your life from a six to an eight. Okay. So that's how we would, you know, we'd use this as a real generic, how do I look at my life and what are the places I'm ready to make some improvements now or some changes. They're not necessarily improvements, but changes. Yeah, and it gives you <clears throat> a real opportunity yeah. when you're putting it on paper and it's like mapping it out. Right. It's a nice visual. Yeah, and I think life balance would tell you that this, you know, that if this were a wheel, it shouldn't be a bumpy ride and all of them should be fives or sevens or eights. I'm not so sure about that. I think there are times in your life when you can do more, more have or do more of one thing than another. Oh, yeah. You know? I think so I, I don't think they have to be equal. I just think you have to know if it's a five, is that okay with you right now or do you want it to be a seven? Right. So it's not about right and wrong or, um, yeah, like you say, it's not about that it's all symmetrical, you know, in a yeah. sense. It's, no. it's not about that. It's about what your desire is and does it fit with your value and this is just a tool where you can assess it's that. a quick assessment. A quick assessment tool. Um, can coaching happen in groups? Well, I mean, I know it can because we talked about LEAP. Right. But I mean, yeah. how, what's the dynamic? What, well, how, how, does that, how does that work? Well, I think um, there are different kinds. Of, you can coach a group, for instance, a team okay. at work where everybody's goal is the same goal. Mm -hmm. Right? So uh, the yeah. team wants to do better sales or the team wants to uh, communicate better with another division or whatever. So you can, or the team could be a, uh, a nonprofit board that needs to make some, make, you know, do something with, their, with mm -hmm. their organization. So you can coach a team with a goal. That's one way of coaching a group. Then there's group coaching, and that's, uh, for instance, my uh, Let Everything Appear Possible group, where um, each person comes with their own agenda and the thing that they want to accomplish inside the group experience. And then they get to kind of put that into the soup of the group, and, every, and, and then the group coaching happens. So the group coaching happens pretty much with, in my, in my case, with my leadership, but that doesn't mean that other people won't offer suggestions or feedback or encouragement. So there's a lot of value to being in a group. You get a lot of support. And a lot of different ways and to look at something. Yes, Because it gets you out of your, yeah, a lot of... Right. And actually... Um, and one person wrote back to me recently about their, their LEAP experience and said that one of the things that she loved was that sense of accountability to more than one person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as well as the fact that she got some wonderful different kinds of support where she might have felt, you know, more emotional support from one person. She got more technical support from another. Yeah, because so, each, pe each person would bring their, uh, like their expertise in a way and their right. background to the table right. in, a, in a group coach. 
Um, you're listening to Healthy Options. I'm Cynthia Swan. My guest today is Nancy Lubin, who's a certified life coach. She was the first certified life coach in the state of Maine. If you want to get a hold of Nancy, her email is nancy at intention, I-N-T-E-N-T-I-O-N dot com, and a phone number, 207 236 4069. We're going to take a quick break and we will be back to speak more about life coaching and also to take listeners' phone calls. Um, and the call number for those who'd like to call in toll free is 1 866 625 9376. 78, excuse me. We'll be back. Welcome back to Healthy Options. I'm Cynthia Swan. My guest today is Nancy Lubin, the first certified life coach in Maine. And um, Nancy, back to you. We were, we were speaking before the break about um, group coaching and about how coaching happens in group and part of that group dynamic. And it just leads me to the question is, is for, I, I imagine not for everyone, but for some, is, is one-on-one coaching better than group, or is group coaching better, uh, you know, how would, how would you choose if you wanted to enter a coaching relationship, and, um, and is there a distinction between one-on-one versus group? Well, I would say certainly the one-on-one coaching is more intimate. I mean, I certainly get to know things about people that they might not be willing to share in a, in a group situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it's really relevant, that might be important. And if someone has is kind of, if somebody really wants to get moving on something, group coaching can be a little slower because, of course, everybody gets their turn. So you're not in the spotlight in quite the same way. And for some people, if you're very introverted or very private, group coaching doesn't work. And for other people, having, a t- you know, several other people, maybe ten other people participating in the process can mm-hmm. can be a really rich experience so it depends on the person i think that's and 
it's a little less expensive. So okay, group, so monetarily group coaching too. is is pretty uh, money efficient. Okay, and may take a little longer to get you where you're going if you know if that's you know if we're working through a group process. Talk uh, a, talk a little bit more about your leap group. Um, you, you this well, this that you created. Let everything appear possible. How did you come up with that title? For one thing. Well, I, you know, I was just looking for something out of, I do a, a I, one of the community services that I think I provide mm-hmm. is that in January, usually the first weekend in January, I offer to the, com- to the community and the whole mid-coast, as far as anyone wants to drive, uh, an all-day revolutionary New Year's resolutions workshop, essentially. And I do that just for cost of materials, so it's very, very inexpensive and quite accessible. And then out of that group, I had a group of people who said, well, now I've set my goals for the year. I want to I want to. Oh, they wanted to continue. Group. Okay. So then the question became, great. What, you know, what's, I asked, I interviewed the people who wanted to start the group. And I said, what is it you want? They told me. And I said, well, great. Let's, let's let everything appear possible. Let's assume that you can meet all these goals in this year. And. That was where it came from. It's let everything appear possible, and we were going to leap into the new year. So you, so you offer um, that's your community service, your leap program. Well, the in, leap program is a regular group pro, pro, but the the New Year's thing the I new think year. of as a com- a gift to my community. And you do that? What do you do that on New Year's Day or something? No, or we do that. Like, I would love to do that on New Year's Day, but I just think most people don't really want to do that on New Year's Day. <laughs> So I try to do it the first Saturday after New Year's, and I believe that in 2009, that is actually the second. Oh, okay. So we, so we probably won't do it New Year's weekend, mm-hmm. but the first full weekend in January. Okay. And, and you've offered my email address yes, and my phone and number, so people can write to me about that if they just want to be put on the announcement list. For, the, for your um, right. annual event, and that is nancy at intention, I-N-T-E-N-T-I-O-N dot com and 207-236-4069. We're going to continue our conversation, but I want to remind listeners, if you would like to call in, and um, you, can, you can be patient with us to, to get you through and on the air, please feel free to call in with a comment or a question um, to Nancy or myself here today on Healthy Options. And our toll-free number is 866-625-9378. And our studio phone is 469-0500. So please feel free to call in if you'd like. We're going to continue our, our discussion here. Um, can, can one um, actually fail in a coaching relationship? I, yeah, I think there are a couple ways that a coaching relationship can fail. One is if the chemistry between the coach and the client isn't right for some reason. So it's helpful. I, off, I do offer an upfront, uh, cost-free conversation with someone just so that they can feel me out and see what coaching is about because most people don't really have a concept of what coaching would be like. So that helps both of us get a sense of how the chemistry might be. And then on top of that, coaching requires that you do your homework. And mm-hmm. if you don't commit to your part of the work as a client, the coaching relationship will fail. It can go sour. It can. So because it's not if you're, you're looking for the coach to have the answers. That's not how coaching works. If you remember that definition from the International Coach Federation, the coach's job is to provide support to enhance the skills, resources, and creativity that the client already has. 
So the, coming in with the premise that you have all the answers and what the coach kind of what the coach is helping you do is to kind of facilitate that or is that not a good word? Well, not you have all the answers, but you have the capacity to find the answers. Okay. Okay. But uh, in in the training that I did at Coaches Training Institute, what we always said is the client is creative, resourceful, and whole. Mm. So resourceful is pretty important here. If you don't have the answers, maybe with your conversations with your coach, you can go, you begin to know where to go look for the answers. And you talk about chemistry. So um, in terms of the the chemistry, what how, how, what does one look for? Let's say someone goes in and they're interviewing a coach. Um, what are some of the what are some of the major high signs that they want to look for? That yeah, this is a fit. How, how do they how do they kind of tally that up for themselves? Well, my assumption is that if they're looking for a coach, they already have an idea of what kind of relationship they want. And certainly, one of the things I do in that initial discovery session meaning the three-hour interview where the coaching is probably already underway. But even in an earlier conversation is to say, what, what style would work for you? Do, you? do you need someone to kind of keep you in lockstep and let you know with no uncertain, uh, no uncertain terms that you're not doing what you said you would do? Or do you need someone to be more gentle with you? So as a coach, I think I get to interview someone and have them help, help them ask the questions of themselves that they need to ask to make sure... I know that I've had clients that just didn't want me to call them on their not doing what they said they would do. And gosh, why were they hiring me if they didn't want me in some way, shape, or form to remind them that they'd made a commitment that they weren't keeping and then to explore what might be going on underneath the commitment. So I think people people know whether the chemistry's right, whether they feel like the it's a feeling, it's pretty yeah. much a feeling. And, and they have to really determine if they're, they're ready for this kind of situation. Maybe the, those initial meetings, having those discussions, let the, lets them know how ready they are, too. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Because you have to be ready to make some changes if you're going to enlist the help of a life coach. I mean, is it fair to say that? It's not going to be, you know, the status quo. There would probably be some change. Well, I think, if you know, change can happen because there are changes you want to make. Or you have to be ready to change if you want to reach a new goal or a new, if you have a new project, you have a big project. It's possible that the reason that you've enlisted the help of a coach is you really want that support. And sometimes that support comes along with, well, if that's the story you're telling yourself, are you going to be able to do that? So you get to change your stories. The very least is, I mean, I talk a lot with my clients about stories that have calcified into rules, life mm -hmm. rules. So yeah. Um, and so sometimes we have to break up that calcification of mm -hmm. exactly what we think is true and mm -hmm. um, see if there are other possibilities and perspectives we could hold. Yeah. And is that, um, is that, is that difficult um, to, to break down some of this calcification? Is that, or is it just, uh, again, dependent on the individual? I don't know if it's difficult, but I, I think it's um, habits or habits. And, mm -hmm. you know, and we want to create good habits and bust up old habits sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that requires some maybe perhaps repeated reminders that that thought is a repeated thought or that that story is an old story. And do you really want to do that? Mm -hmm. So it's not hard. It sometimes is a more than once, rem a more than once conversation. Mm -hmm. but, and remember, people have set goals, set priorities for the coaching relationship and they do have something that they want to be doing sometimes they just need to be reminded of what that carrot is out there that they've 
create it. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, yeah. And I'm only going to get there if I tie my running shoes and get moving. Exactly. <laughs> it's not going to happen if I'm sitting on this chair. So sometimes you have to remind them that they're sitting on the chair and ask them if they want to tie their shoes. <laughs> Again, we're listening to Nancy Lubin, Life Coach. And if you have a question or a comment on today's show, a question for Nancy, please feel free to call us in at one 625 9378 or 469-0500. Nancy, what, g- give us a, um, a life coaching story, if you would, a favorite, maybe one of your favorites or, um, that you could share with listeners also that gives a sense of what this, what this work, the potential of this work is, this relationship. Well, it seems to me that um, almost every client, I have a favorite story, so I, I, I won't uh, give you the litany, but there are a couple that come to mind. An early, early client who decided that she really wanted to change the way she was working, and often that is. Uh, that's, a pr- that's a pretty typical scenario. And so I said, well, great, let's custom design your life. So I gave her full permission to decide on what kind of life she wanted to have and then to figure out how she would create the job. Uh, and she was a consultant to create a job for herself. So she did. And every once in a while, I bump into her and she says, I'm still doing it. It's just working so well. I got to custom design my life. So she's, she's a pretty happy camper. And another one who had a great job offer, a woman who had been at home homeschooling her kids, and she uh, lives in the Midwest, and she had been she'd been making a living at home doing a variety of things that she loved doing. And then someone offered her a job that she really wanted. Mm-hmm. And she could see that that job was going to be a values conflict because she was still homeschooling kids. Mm-hmm. And I said, well... But she wanted the job? She wanted the job okay. because the job itself was very interesting to her and met a lot of her professional, um, I want to say, needs, but it would, it would stretch her professionally in ways that she wanted to be stretched. Mm-hmm. She was very eager for this job. And she said, but I, I can't do it. And I said, well, who said? Mm. She said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, what if you wrote a job description that worked for you? And she said, well, but that isn't the job description they gave me. And I said, right, but they want you. So why don't you write the job description and go to them and say, given my life situation at the moment, this is what I could do for you. And if they like it, they'll take the parts of the job that you can't and they'll give them to someone else. And lo and behold, that's exactly what she did. She offered them her job description. They hired her at the salary she wanted. And as far as I know, it's a happily ever after. So that feels pretty good. Yeah. Now, do you mm-hmm. do you think? All right. So I'm gonna. Do yeah. you think she could have done this without a life coach? No. O- only because unless someone had said to her, "Do you have to accept this job as it's offered?" How often does someone sit back and ask you that question? Yeah, it's very rare because, uh, as you say that, I think most people just make the assumption of, I, I'm not allowed to make any changes. This is what I have. This is what's in black and white. I, I'm not allowed to do this. Right. I've well, got to follow.